Actually, sometimes I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very Mr. Miyagi thing to say. <laughs> That's what happens. When I never know. Them. Sometimes I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Different, different, same, same. Sometimes you know, sometimes you don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Am I bad for loving that kind of wisdom, that kind of paradoxical wisdom? Is that... Uh, I? Well, then we're both bad because <laughs> it's... Uh, color me bad, right? Um, I don't want to be right, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a... Uh, a lot to be learned through observations that seem on the surface to be opposing. There may be some, some underlying constraints or systems or forces that make those actually part of the same universe. Yeah. And maybe even help, help you be more informed on a given thing. Like the whole, like, well, it is a thing and it's not a thing. Uh, well, yeah. you can ask, well, well, how is that possible? And uh, like, well, like, okay. Yeah. Like I think about like, let's go to things like Carl Sagan's cosmos or, um, what's the one that you like? Uh, not Dawkins, is it? Oh, uh, let's see what James Burke's connections. James Burke's connections. Yeah. Like where you find out that like matter is mostly empty space. Atoms, like the space between the electrons and the protons and neutrons is like so enormous that matter is made of chiefly of nothing and that we are essentially a bunch of electro- electromagnetic forces like just giving this appearance of solidity you know it's like so we're stuff and we're not stuff you know <laughs> stuff like that i i i, I get juice and it's in the Tao Te Ching, man it's like uh, uh true words are paradoxical 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 uh-oh <laughs> i think paradoxical okay <clears throat> but it's that I don't know that that just feels pretty natural to me because I know yeah. inherently in my examination of a thing I'm carrying with my own biases and perspective and and uh, current knowledge which is super incomplete and filtered and and it's a tool that I will use to help learn more about a thing but so inher- inherently I'm going to run into a lot of those situations where um, I. Well, let's see. I guess one one thing, for instance, in in this isn't like one aha moment where I crossed the boundary and I thought I always thought it was this way. Now it's that way. Wow. <laughs> but but it's more of a a buildup of like um, discovery and finding value in a different perspective. And it's it's essentially the the I'm a I believe that that essentially business is another creative discipline. Mm. And that people who uh, are often labeled as like, uh, oh, I'm a, I'm a creative, I'm an artist, or I'm a business person, I'm a technical person. And like those labels are, are pretty darn limiting and, and not necessarily that informative uh, because any of them are, is probably attacking some kind of problem ba- with some skills that they're fluent in to make a thing. And they're all making things. And... That's great. It's funny. That's really funny that you said that. I, I literally just days ago had a conversation with uh, my buddies on the Galaxy Super Adventure show, and we were talking about this very topic. And I said, as I get older and as I get 
I don't want to say proficient, but more proficient at this whole business thing, mm-hmm. I realized that the that the uh, the distinction between the disciplines is not as distinct as I originally thought. Because what you're ultimately trying to do when you're making a comic is you're trying to remove ambiguity and achieve clarity. And what are you trying to do when you run a business? Is remove ambiguity and achieve clarity, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, and 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 learning that. Uh, and this is something you've said to me in the past, and it seems like almost always I'm building off of you know little insights that you throw down on the ground in front of me. Um, this idea that uh, this is this is a learnable thing, and that the, that the skills you use to level up at that thing are skills that you already have, right? So, like the moment I learned how to spreadsheet, right? and I was like, oh well, wait a minute, this is just like logically laying out information like I do when I write a story or lay out a page. Anyway, but before. We were kind of going a, 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 a field of what originally inspired me to nudge you to say, are we doing a thing now? <laughs> um, we're talking about like skimming over versus deep dives. Mm, yeah. We were. Skimming over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds, uh, all right. So what, uh, what, what were you thinking would, was, uh, something to investigate with that, uh, uh, knowing when 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 is the right time to employ which one and what muscles or skills you're using in each different one, right? Because here we are, to put contextualize it, we are at the point now in the year where we're thinking a lot about programming for this summer event that you've been participating in a lot over the years, called uh, now called A2CAF, formerly Kids Read Comics. Developing programming at this weekend event. And there's a tension. There's a, a tension there to create rich, meaningful activities that will help young people or beginning uh, artists level up at their stuff. But you can only go so far because of this limitation of this thing called time. Right? This isn't a six-week course. This isn't something where you can come back and build on it. Even if you did it on Saturday and Sunday and said, like, okay, well, you'd learn some stuff on Saturday, come back on Sunday, and you'll learn the rest, there's no guarantee that people are going to come back both days. Some people can only come for one day, mm-hmm. right? And and because it's free, it's not like you can get, like, really a lot of buy-in in terms of, like, well, sunk cost fallacy or sunk cost, uh, you know, sort of uh, worldview where it's like, I, I paid for this thing. I got to go to it, right? Mm-hmm. So... How do you navigate those choices? How do you, there's a lot of choices there you're facing. Hmm. Uh, I'd like to think of it as trying, well, coming up with a hypothetical uh, attendee and what kind of things that they may, they may bring with them as far as goals and what they would want out of the experience. And then also thinking, uh, thinking about why I'm doing this and, and what, what do I want to offer and see what, what kind of overlap there is. Um, hopefully having some room to be flexible as well, because there are just so many, so many variables with like a one performance event that, uh, and especially when it's, uh, when it's, when it's, when you're making a new body of work and it's the, you know, the the first time out there. So it's, it's not, it's inherently not fully tested, Right there's mm-hmm. there this is like a new set of tests even though like i do test my stuff i pra- i practice it i get you know in interested parties to come like you know check it out and and maybe i'll um you know do a do a mock performance of part of it here and there 
uh, maybe even the whole thing in some cases, as far as performing a workshop um, with like a recruited audience versus an organic audience, which is what happens at an event. And that organic audience could, I mean, they just come with so many variables that you just have to be aware that those variables exist because you don't, you can't prepare for every possible situation that are you telling me here i'm doing my stupid voice that i do whenever i play devil's advocate uh are you telling me rob sensinger that i have no guarantee that this thing is going to be a success i prepared i made notes i've got books and pages of i got, I got six thousand note cards here for every eventual eventuality i've got every potential through line of discussion that can happen i'm guaranteed you're guaranteed if what you're doing is recording it for a live audience who has the social contract of not messing you up. <laughs> uh, but if you're, yeah, you, you have a great you have, answer. That was a great answer. <laughs> oh my God. That was perfect. Because, I mean, you're pointing out how it's not a combative relationship, but it is a competitive relationship in a way. Right. Well, they bring whatever they, they bring their own things. They are they are active agents. They are actors in your yeah. in in the scene that you're helping facilitate. But they don't want you to fail. No, oh yeah. I mean, super rare that someone would actually want something like a negative outcome. And right, you know, it's yeah. People are there to to do you know something, and hopefully that overlaps with the something that you've prepared for. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that's a, that's yeah. a that's a great framing of the thing. Now, I was I was having a conversation on Twitter today with a couple of people who were like kind of like uh, straddling the fence about whether or not they were going to do a workshop submission for uh, A2CAF, hmm. and they were they were highlighting some different concerns about like, well, you know, like I've always every time I've ever done a school visit, there's been an educator in the room. I've never done you know flown solo as it were. Or I don't know what kind of crowds to expect. I don't know what kind of audience numbers to expect, um, which are reasonable and you know legitimate concerns mm -hmm. uh but uh i i i'm i was reminded of how at a lot and this isn't to do an ad for a2 calf but i'm going to be doing a little bit of sort of comparison um why would you not do an ad for that oh i know i know but i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to i say that as a disclaimer to say i'm trying to keep my eye on the service that's being provided here while okay. also inevitably going to be talking about the things I make. Yeah. Um, I think about like my past experiences at Comic-Cons, and I think you've had some r reasonably similar experiences where not, ever, not all Comic-Cons are the same, and you can run into hostile communities, right? Um, very tribal, very borderline hostile communities. And that can be enough to say like, ooh, I don't know if I want to step up on a stage do I have anything to service that crowd, right? Um, and I think the way you framed it up where you say, like, okay, well, let's look at the crowd. Let's look at what they need. Do Is there anything that I have that crosses over with that? Can I offer anything with that? Uh, and then prepare to the best of your ability, but know that somebody's going to throw a curveball at you, and you're going to have to dance. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's... Yeah, I mean, that's a good summary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't know, like, I think for some folks that sounds like a, um, now what you described, you just set up a sign 
on at the edge of a trail, that's that is great news. Okay, cool. Yep, I I, I get it. This this is going to be an interesting adventure. And other other people would look at that as like a head on a, a pike and is like yeah. no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, but back to the initial question, the 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 skimming the surface or the deep dive. Okay. Is that something that is that a decision that you make on the fly, or is it something that you go in with a, um, an initial uh, what do I want to say intention? Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm definitely at peace with a lot of the value of skimming the surface, but I don't think of it as that. I mean, I would call it like an an approachable, small, beneficial experience. Ah explain so like skimming the surface would mean would to me that infers that well you're not going to climb very far on the expertise ladder during this and i think well right of course it's an it's a half hour to two hours or so right Mm -hmm. so yep that that is true (laughs) and inherently though haven't you seen or experienced uh, anything ranging from a conversation to an interesting YouTube video to a some kind of edutain, edutainment experience where all of a sudden you feel better informed and um, you were able to try a thing or or like just even like interactive educational things online like uh, codepen.com or um, oh, there's a bajillion uh, Khan Academy. Uh, I'm trying to think of another Linda. one that's not coning. Yeah, lynda.com. But there's so many ways where you can just have this brief experience and experiment or even going to um, going to the whiteboard at like, if you think of any one of your class sessions, Jersey, as like a, um, a chain of these experiences yeah. and like you could probably chunk it up as like a few minutes here, a few seconds there. And some of those experience, like I try to find and prepare to be able to um, either carry to just rehydrate on the spot or invent on the spot. Those kind of experiences. Hmm. Yeah, I, this is the thing that I was kind of wa- worried about and wondering about because we've been at this a while, and I've been at this a while, and I know that I walk into a classroom now with and this goes back to our initial joke about paradoxical words is that i walk in with deep dive and skimming the surface is the same thing right and it can go in either direction and i'm going to skim the surface and wherever i see the students eyes light up okay that's the part where the pebble hit the pond now we're gonna dive deep right there okay The, 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 the the skimming the surface for me is sort of it's a methodology to find out where their interests are and sort of where I can meet them halfway and go, okay, I saw you guys react to that. Let's go there. Um, and let's and let's drill all the way down. And you may not even be aware of where this connects to anything else we've talked about yet, but you're interested in this, so we're going to go there. And maybe those connections will be made more apparent later on. I don't care, right? I'm trusting in you and me that we'll find those connections throughout the process. Um, what you're describing, I think that's a more coherent way to like, so it's chaining those experiences in a way that builds, they build upon one another. Right, so but there's, like, but there's oh, no explicit plan. 
found something that's that is clicking with the audience and then build upon it right but there's but i don't walk in with a plan okay <laughs> i mean i walk in with uh i walk in with an idea of what we might do that day and then as well I you're talking, improvising within a framework right so you have yeah so you've got a probably like a catalyst right so you're like you know chickens everybody yep <laughs> chickens am i right yeah. and they're like yeah what about eggs anyway oh you want to talk about eggs huh all right, let's talk about eggs for a second. Eggs are really interesting, you know. Let's talk, let's 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 do a whole s- section on eggs, right? Nice. Right. So, like, that's how, at least in my mind, how it works. But that's from doing this for years and years, and having like, and you've seen it. Like, I have like a bank of pre-made little sort of spherical units that I could just pull out as I need them. Yeah, which is a great. Um sort of uh it's a great body of work to be able to draw upon and i've learned a ton by seeing you do that stuff but but when i think about it like a a person like coming to a two calf to lead a workshop it's like and 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 the whole thing about a two calf was from its inception it was explicitly designed to be a safe place to test drive or get your feet wet interacting with audiences right um so when i think about them it's like i don't think it's good advice for me to say like god Improvise, work with it on the spot. Read the audience. No, you know? there's different. Yeah, there are different styles, right? So not yeah. everyone has to improvise. And like it's like impro- Like think of it as um, how do you provide a valuable experience to to that audience? One path would be what you describe. Um. But then again, we've all watched non-interactive things and learned from them too. So yeah. it can be very uh, demonstration and lecture like. Yeah, um, another one that I really like is what Matt Fiesel does, um, and he's coming back to A2CAP this year. I'm really excited about it. He does this thing where you make a mini comic from scratch. Oh, we talked about it in the last Lena Tart mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he walks you through, like, all right, we're going to do page one now, everybody. Everybody turn to page one. What's page one? Page one is the setup. What's the setup? Talks through it with the audience, and then he draws his version, and then he gives them, like, two, th- two to five minutes to draw their own version. Everybody draw your own setup. Um, and the neat thing is that he doesn't tell you where you're going with it. He doesn't give you, like, the structure of a story first. Like, first we're going to do setup, then we're going to do problem, then we're going to do solution. He doesn't tell you that. Uh, so, in a way, it's, like, this very structured kind of safe way. Like, okay, well, I just got to do what he did just now. But mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to do next, right? And so, like, there's, like, the delightful surprise when you get to the end and realize, oh, I just made a story. And I didn't have to worry about making a story, right? Because he was guiding me. So it's both very structured, but also very surprise-driven. Or gag. It, it, the, the the workshop itself feels like a gag, in the way it sets up an expectation, then delivers like a a pleasant surprise at the end, right? Mm. That's really that clever. Great. Yeah, that's awesome. And but I've seen yeah. him do this one, this workshop, a bunch of times, and it never changes. Like the structure is identical. The gag he draws on the board is always different. So it's worth it to go through it again and again because A, practice. B, it's fun to watch what Gaggy comes up with this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's there's a situation where the structure is not improvised at all, right? Hmm. So that, it's it's almost... I've had multiple times where I've performed workshops that are choose-your-own-adventure, and that's one of my approaches to dealing with that, where I have certain nodes 
and and like general connective experiences that I want to to hopefully provide. And then if I have too many of those for that given time, that's when choose your own adventure works where inherently the the group is filtering what you know, you know we're we're they're filtering the content with me and we're doing what sounds most interesting. But then yeah, the workshop I'm working on currently it's um yeah, I mean it has some foundational nodes and then it'll be a lot of lab experiments. So, yeah, I don't know. It's going to yet a different permutation, yet a different chance to yeah, practice. Come on. What? What? Come on. Oh, is that not it? It's a fake can be. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're going until Rob feels like it's it's it. he that he that wasn't there. It wasn't there. That was me like listening for a pause and going like, oh, maybe that's it. <laughs> you you were like, you're like, I'm done here. I'm going to jump in the water and go snorkeling or whatever. I'm like, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. So <laughs> grabs my trunks. Yeah. Nope. Don't jump in yet. Um, Not yet. Yeah. So what? Um, wh- okay. So in the in the idea of um, skimming the surface, deep diving. And those different those different examples. What? Uh, okay, so let me pitch this at you. So, and I'm, I'm okay. This, oops, you're going to say something. I, I'm I don't a little interrupt. bit curious. Like, well, okay. So if there's folks that are um, uh, maybe nervous about giving it a shot, there's probably some approachable ideas or models or something to do to help uh, and make it seem inviting and safe to to explore that path if if they have the interest to really go ahead. Um, I would submit that this is something we as storytellers think about all the time already in that if you've ever outlined something, if you've ever had to do a pitch page or uh, a story summary, something that clarifies the essence of what the thing is about into a, a sentence or two, there's, there's your skimming the surface version. Deep dive is the full story. In other words, let's say I want to teach a comics workshop. Oh my gosh, there's so much to think about in terms of comics. Um, you could do it all about layout. You could do it all about character design. You could do it all about drawing things in three dimensions. You could do it all about uh, lettering or lettering pacing or coloring or color theory or what pens to use or whether you should use pens at all. Right? Already, we're lost. So, look at your process. What's your process? Uh, See if you can break it down to, and here's that three thing. See if you can at least break it down to three distinct chunks. Now, come up with a one-sentence description of each of those three chunks. That's your skimming the surface. Here's the one thing you would teach about these three discrete pieces of your process. And as you have the, uh, the, the audience do that thing, the moment you see them say, but I, or if you see them do something really interesting that you were surprised by, like you're walking around the room like, whoa. And this is the thing. You say, why did you do that? Why, did you, why would you draw that and not that? And if they give you an interesting answer, then you go, all right, this is an opportunity to go deep dive. Let's go into the next level of, of weirdness of this thing, right? And so for me, it, it's like I broke it down into shape, size, line, and color, the four tools of cartooning. We're going to break it down on those four things, and we're going to talk about them first, and we're going to try to put them in action. And then if I see somebody say, do something really interesting, like, why did you use that kind of line around the word balloon instead of that kind of line around the word balloon? Oh, it's because he's undead. He should have a warbly line. Well, why would a warbly line equal undead? Well, because it's like shaking. All right. Found something interesting. Remember when we talked about shape? Remember how we talked about shape refers to character design in terms of pointy shapes meaning more dynamic and smooth shapes meaning less uh, dynamic and less threatening and more friendly? Can that apply to sound? Right? Boom. Mm -hmm. Deep dive. They're the same thing. 